Welcome to the USRA Coalition's Let's Talk About It podcast, where we give you insights into mental health and substance abuse issues. In each episode, we'll have a conversation with a guest who will help create awareness in our communities around these topics. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the newest season of the USRA Coalition's Let's Talk About It, the podcast dedicated to drawing issues out of the shadows and into the light. We do so in the name of awareness and prevention. Before we get to today's guest, we want to remind you all that the USRA Coalition is a partnership between the boroughs of Upper Saddle River and Allendale, New Jersey. Members consist of elected officials, parents, school administration, police, health professionals, local businesses, clergy, and members of local community organizations. The mission of the USRA Coalition is to educate and create awareness in our communities to prevent and reduce substance abuse and mental health-related issues. And that brings us to today's guest. This is our second season of Let's Talk About It. We've learned some things from last season, some good, some bad, and uh, we're really happy to bring back for our second installment a very familiar face. He's no stranger to the Northern Highlands community. He's been here for over 20 years. The last 12, actually 13, is our school principal. Uh, before that, he was a school administrator as our assistant principal, and he is on the cusp of a milestone of 40 years in education. He is a teacher, a coach, a friend, a mentor, an administrator. He is none other than Joe Gino. Joe, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks. Nice introduction. Thanks there. So listen, this is kind of this is kind of different for me. So normally we we uh, speak with someone who is a community member, a familiar face, but like we get to know them. And you and I have worked together a long time. And uh, this is almost like uh, we've worked so closely. Remember that episode, uh, that series VH1 Behind the Music, like years ago? Certainly do. <laughs> yeah, no one under 20 will understand that reference, but... This is like Northern Highlands behind the music. So we're here to talk today about uh, our wellness initiative, our student wellness initiative, our staff wellness initiative, how we're helping our community. And Joe, over the past, I don't know, 10, 12 years, uh, we've done a lot with respect to, to student wellness. And, you know, just off the cuff, just to gain some of your thoughts and you know, how we've gotten to where we are, how, how did we get to this point? You know, Mike, it's no news to us, you know, since we've been here for a long time, you're right, working together. And, um, you know, for you, close to 20 years, I'm here 22 years. We've always knew that Northern Highlands was a very highly competitive high school. And the one thing that we've learned over the years that our students actually compete against each other academically. Um, Every time there's a test taken, everybody wants to know how they're doing. So they are really competitive with each other. And I really do believe that from what we've learned, they really put a lot of pressure on themselves to succeed. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And I think for us and, you know, sadly, you know, we've had some um, some students die by suicide, attempted suicide and things where I remember you and I going through that together and the amount of emails that we received and people asking the same question. What is Northern Highlands doing to address the mental health issues that exist in our high school? So I think right from from that point and everything that was was prior to um, that real tough time that we had, 
I think it was a combination, the perfect storm of so many different things that got us to the point where we are right now. You know, you talked about, you know, programs and just going through like my mind, like the, the things that we've done. And also like, you're right, when we've experienced loss, whether it be, you know, death by suicide, you know, or a former student overdosing. Um, I just remember, I recall like how, I don't want to say overwhelming because we managed it, but how much of a challenge it was to manage just the, the outpouring of support, but also the outpouring of scrutiny and questioning that came our way to say, hey, what, what's going on? What can we do? What are we doing? Where are we going? Like, can you yeah, speak yeah, to that? That's a, that's a great point. I remember as if it was yesterday, while we did get a lot of support from people, uh, we did, and scrutiny is probably a good word, and I don't think anybody was doing it to be mean-spirited. I think it was really um, people trying to find answers and really trying to find answers from the people that they rely on, people they respect. So for us, it was um, it was nonstop for, for many, many, many weeks, and I think we both had folders that were an inch thick with everybody who had ideas and what we should do. And, you know, in some cases, you and I sat down and we met with some of the students and, and had conversations, which is what I think people um, expected of us and which we don't mind doing, obviously. I think from that, I guess, shortly after that, you know, we had talked about expanding our school counselors, uh, adding another school counselor. And it was that point where we started talking about the possibility of of how to better serve the needs of our students and our district. And that's when we started talking about a supervisor of wellness who could actually build a wellness department right from the ground up. And, you know, that really, uh, we presented it. People listened. People thought it was a great idea. And uh, he, so here we are um, a few years later with uh, Jess Radicchio being at the helm. Uh, and who has really built an incredible team of people in her wellness department. And uh, they've done so many things, so, so many incredible things right now that I think has really uh, helped us tremendously in addressing the needs of our students. Yeah. You know, you hit upon a real critical point right there. And I haven't let it dawn upon me until, until recently, you know. Again, we've, we've put a lot of personnel in place, a lot of programs, a lot of departments. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking back, like you remember way back when, like we had uh, student assemblies, we had uh, the Springhouse girls come in, you know, recovering addicts talk about, you know, the pathway to addiction and how they are on the road to recovery. We had, um, you know, uh, Chris Heron come in twice. You know, remember that one program, the parent program we had, Doug Collier? Remember that oh, guy sure. from the DEA? Yes, I want to say we had like 200 people that night, but it's like a huge outpouring. And then, you know, as we got into the, the mental health extent, we've done extensive student surveying, you know, we've won grants to help, you know, build, you know, relationships within the school. So kids have a trusted adult to go to and how to foster that through Sandy Hook promise and, and even the school climate transformation project. But most of all, the most that we've done that was proven to be the most effective is we sat down and we listened to people. You know, we were going so fast for, for such an extended period of time there. We were so results-oriented and driven. You know, we, we kind of lost sight of you know, why we're here. We had to take the time to sit down and, and listen to, to everyone. And, I mean, in hindsight, that could have been the best thing that we've done yet. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, just to kind of piggyback on that, 
you know, when we're we're dealing with the one of the partnerships we have right now is with the Jed Foundation that Jessica um, really took hold of. And one of the things that the Jed Foundation does to support our efforts in addressing uh, mental health, they really talk about the key being connectedness and a sense of belonging. And you, you already said that. Now that we knew that probably prior before our commitment with Jed Foundation, yeah. but it's really having kids feel connected. And you also said, you know, a sense of belonging, someone in this building they can turn to in a time of adversity and someone that they trust and a trusted adult, uh, doesn't matter who it is, an administrative teacher, um, you know, a counselor, anybody, but someone that they could open up to. And that is the key, as you say, some people just need someone to listen and to give them some affirmation as to what they're dealing with. You know, it's funny, we thought we were doing that for the longest time to begin with. Like, you know, one of the things we promote and we're really proud of, you know, we feel like we have something for everyone. You know, whether it be academically based, we have a, a, a diverse amount of offerings at all sorts of uh, uh, levels of rigor. Uh, our co-curricular program is second to none. We have clubs or activities, athletics. You know, we, we try to find a home for everyone to have that sense of belonging. And I think we, we felt at a certain point, like just because we were doing that, like, yeah, people will find the home. We need, we we found we needed to do more than that, and we are now. Yeah, and and let's not let's not lose sight of the fact that you know we were we were moving along quite nicely, and then uh, the pandemic hit. So you know, and and listen, it couldn't have come at a better time. Our wellness department, that is, to deal with all of the other difficulties that are going uh, go along with this two year pandemic, and uh, what our kids were experiencing both academically and socially and emotionally. And um, I think we really have done an outstanding job trying to address the needs of those students as well. So um, kudos to our wellness department for a job well done. Um, and they've, uh, they've, been, they've been dealing with a lot for, for a long period of time, and, um, but they have really done a remarkable job. So we've done a better job of listening uh, on an on a, an individual level and a personal level. We've also tried to do that systematically as well on, on a district-wide approach. I mean, and Joe, you think about it, you know, at some point along the way, you know, we've asked ourselves, you know, what are we doing here? Because we, we kept on, you know, trying things and for whatever reason, you know, reasons that some are within our control, others are outside our control, you know, we kept on coming back to the same issue, you know, the ment mental health of our students, students, you know, you know, on the brink or pushing themselves beyond their limits and said, like, what are we doing here? What's our purpose? It really, really forces us to re-examine what our mission is, what our vision is for the school. And can you speak to those points and where we are at this point in time from your perspective? Well, sure. You know, like anything else, when you try to, to um, start a new initiative, sometimes everybody's all in. Uh, everybody's going hundred miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, things just stop. It's at a, at a standstill and you just only scratch the surface. And I think one of the things that we did and under your leadership too, because it was something that you, you took hold of when, when we, um, we decided that it would be best to really, um, take our vision and mission statement and give it an, a complete overhaul from something that was very lengthy to some something that people could 
easily remember, what do we say, elevator talk, right? Um, so, and I think we've done that. And what's nice about it is it's been, we're rolling it out, but we're rolling it out in a way where I think students and our staff are actually taking hold of it, where people could actually very easily, and listen, we've marketed it very well. You did a great job when you work with our marketing class and the kids took hold of it because they had ownership because you went into the classrooms, you spoke with the teachers and the students. And from that standpoint, that's where you got some buy-in from students because that's really, it has to come from the students. Coming from, from administrators or teachers doesn't necessarily hit home as it does with the students. So when we talk about, and, and as, as a group, when the committee met, respect, resilience, kindness, integrity, those are things that people can easily um, recognize that they can identify with. And from our standpoint, I think it's been an outstanding job because it has been marketed very well and we still have more work to do, but all the things that we did and the student, student-led really um, has been fantastic. So from my perspective, I think it's one of the, one of the things that we, we did very well here as to rolling it out in a way that it becomes very meaningful and very memorable. So kudos to everybody's work in, in regard to our revamped mission and vision statements. Thanks for all the kind words. <laughs> Nothing done by ourselves. Many, many hands make light, light work. So it's, it's because of the contributions of many, but you know, you know as well as I do, we've talked about this for years. We could hold all the programs in the world, but we want to avoid as a, as a hit and run. You know, we have a program, we talk about it for a short time, and then we move on and we just go back to our, our old ways or what we were doing or, you know, you know, the other flavor of the month. So what we've been able to do over time, I think, is really change the conversation. So how do we talk about this on a consistent basis? You know, how do we bring this to the kids? Because like we talk about our sense of purpose. We're here for what's best for kids, right? And how do we weave this into the classroom? How do we how do we get these things with packed curriculums already and 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 subject matters and unit plans that are already packed to the gills? How do we weave this into the conversation? And you know, this is a method in which we've we found some success and, and we've had had it gain some traction, not just in the school, but also in the community, because we talk about our culture and weaving this into our culture. If we're going to do it, we got to do it by the grassroots. That's the kids, right, Joe? That's the kids. And I'm looking forward to, and I know we, we had to put it on hold because of um, COVID and the spike in COVID cases, but we had our group of seniors who were looking to do an assembly program that they had it all set and ready to go because they wanted to, they felt the need to have an assembly so they can address the other students uh, in, in at Highlands and again, they wanted to do it. This was not going to be our assembly. This was going to be their assembly. And they just saw me uh, last week uh, to you know, say they're, they're close to getting the assembly uh, back underway. And we'll pick another date. And we look forward to having that assembly. I look forward to hearing what the students have to say. They've done a great job. Well, we're looking forward to that for sure. You know, going back to you know our sense of purpose and why we're here and what we're doing and you know, really just having a purpose in everything we do. We've also offered professional development to staff over time as well. And that's been an evolving process. Do you remember? I don't know if we were a PLC. I don't remember. But we were a group of, of a 
you know, assorted staff members. And we came together on the direction of Dr. Siegel when he was still here. Remember that upside down triangle we put together? Yes. At, at the, and it, it represented uh, at the top of the triangle, the base, how much time should be allotted. And at the bottom was how much time should be allotted. And there's a list of priorities in order. And there's things like, you know, there are multiple pathways to fulfillment. There's no blueprint for success. You know, you know, failure is an opportunity for growth. You remember that that one at the very bottom of the of the pyramid? Do you remember this? It's like I a remember quiz. the pyramid. I don't necessarily <laughs> remember right at the bottom of it, but I remember the pyramid pyramid, and I remember a lot of conversations about it. Yes, it's what you came up with. Actually, was your oh, idea? And the very bottom of it said, "Time to be a kid." Time to be a kid. That's correct. That was the, that's that's correct. Yeah, that was my thing. I did say that. <laughs> that's correct. And I think that's <laughs> we've done so much, we can't even remember half the stuff we did. I think that was, yeah, that, that was, I had said that only because I think so much pressure is put on kids and even, you know, listen, I'm not saying we're all parents. We have our own, our own children and, you know, we raise our own families and, um, you know, there's always that one component where sometimes you just have to let a kid just be a kid, go out and play. And sometimes that homework assignment, maybe it could wait. There's just too much pressure on kids. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. I think it's really important for our students to have an opportunity to unwind. And a lot of people have, listen, I don't have to tell you because you know it as well as I do. It's the same reason why in the summertime when, you know, we give this that blackout period because families need to be together. And it's really important. It just can't always be about sports. And it always has, you always have to find time to just take a step back, breathe and relax and just really remember the importance of being a kid and what it means to be a family member. I mean, so many times people say, we don't need, we don't even eat dinner together. You know, everybody is, is going hundred miles an hour. And I think we, we can't lose sight of that fact. So that's one thing that I think we've, we're, um, we're doing a pretty good job with. So, so to those, those points, in your estimation, I know what I think, but you know, you're the one being interviewed here. So have we been able to strike a balance between, you know, maintaining um, a highly competitive high school in a manner in which kids can still be kids? Like, have we been able to strike that balance? And what can we do going forward to promote that? So, so we still want what's best for kids. Yeah. It's not saying we don't want kids to be competitive. There's there's a level of competition that could be healthy, but you know, we don't need kids beating themselves up either. No, I think we're striking the balance. Are, are we where we need to be? Probably not. We have to do more work in that regard. Um, I think, you know, based on conversations that I'm having with Jess Radicchio, when she talks about providing kids with more resources and tools to deal with adversity, I think that will, that will help tremendously because I do believe that the kids really do put a lot of pressure on themselves. And I don't know necessarily if the kids know how to strike that balance yet. I think they need to have a better understanding of how to strike that balance and to understand that there's gonna be times where they're gonna have some adverse conditions and you know what? They need to turn to that trusted adult to get them through a difficult time and they can't do it all by themselves. So I don't know if we're there yet, Mike. I think we, we're moving in the right direction. But, you know, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to be said for time management as well. I don't know if our students necessarily even understand 
um, you know, the best way to manage their time so that they don't feel overwhelmed and they're able to strike a balance. So, um, and it's hard because as I said, when we first opened up, it's a competitive high school, kids compete against each other academically. And uh, sometimes I don't know how to tell them, you know, they, they just have to relax a little bit and, and, and stop trying to beat out on the other person. But, you know, you're right. Com you know, their competition is also, um, can also be good depending on how, how you deal with it. Yeah, it could be a good thing. And, you know, one thing that I think we've been trying to stress is not just be the best, but do your best. You know, two things you control, your attitude and your effort. You put your best foot forward and that's all you can ask. And then how the cards fall at the end of the day, that's how they fall. But, you know, um, trying to maintain that level of um, school climate and that balance is something we're interested in. Listen, when it comes to student wellness, people always ask, have you done enough? And I think you'll agree we can never do enough. Right. Well, one of the things that we'll find out uh, is we're sending out another survey uh, to our students, a wellness check-in, really, not even a survey. It's a check-in for our students. We do the same thing for, for our staff just to see how they're doing at this point in time. And it really um, provides with some information as to, you know, who might be struggling, what other things that we can be doing. You know, what are their, what have their successes been so far? What have the struggles been? And we take that information and we, we build upon it. And, you know, we follow up with people that we think we need to follow up with. But I think people appreciate the fact that we are checking in with them because times have been difficult and it really kind of drives the things that we might be doing moving forward. Well, we're definitely going to keep doing those things moving forward. Um, Joe, we're moving forward in the program. We're almost to a close. Uh, last year, we had a, a little thing called First and Ten, where we asked uh, uh, guests uh, some questions about themselves and their interests, get to know you. We're whittling it down this year. We're going to be a big trifecta. All right. So we got three questions for you that are going to give our listeners a little bit of an insight as to uh, where you're coming from. And uh, are you ready for that? Is that something you wish to uh, sure, participate let's, in? let's give it a shot. Why not? All right. So listen. Uh, I don't know if people know this, but we know you're a big Yankee fan. Who's your favorite all-time Yankee? Oh, Derek Jeter by far. Really? Uh, yes. How long have you been a Yankee fan? Since I'm a little kid. So, you know, a, a, a good, um, what am I, um, since I'm 10 years old, so a good 50 years. So you're talking about 50 years of Yankees. Talk about all the Yankees from the last 50 years. And Jeter's the guy? Jeter's the guy. First of all, you have to take away the 70s, right? Because that was not really very good <laughs> for Yankees. Um, Don Mattingly was up there for a while, but Derek Jeter is just a person. First of all, not only he's, he's, he's an awesome athlete, but um, he's someone who just did it the right way. People respected him, not only because of the player that he was, but because of the person that he was. And um, that, that means a lot to me. It really does. I think he was an, a just a, a a a wonderful role model for anybody. And one thing that you can say, listen, when you're a Yankee fan, people either you hate the Yankees or you love the Yankees, right? Um, but I say there's a lot of people out there who, regardless of who their affiliation is with, whatever professional baseball team, you could probably always find people to say, you know what? Even though he's a Yankee, Derek Jeter is a really solid individual. Oh, you're going to have a tough time finding anyone to oppose that. So, 
Good stuff. All right, second question. It's around the time of the Super Bowl, Joe. Do you actually sit down and watch the game, or are you in it for the commercials? Oh, no, I watch the game. Okay. All right. But there's no doubt. I just want to make sure my uh, whatever whatever uh, whatever box pool I'm in, my numbers come in. <laughs> Fair if enough. Team, if my team was in it, I'd be rooting for my team. A, I really, really what it comes down to, I just want to, I would like to see a just a really well-played Super Bowl, an exciting Super Bowl. Um, I think that's what it's all about. So you're not excited about the, the Doritos commercials or the Coca-Cola commercials? No, no, not, not excited at all. <laughs> I'm guessing you don't watch the halftime show either. You know, my daughter told me what the halftime, because she, now my daughter's not a, not a, uh, a, um, a sports fan at all, but she knows what the halftime show is. And I just asked her, who is on the halftime show that you're speaking of? And she told me all the, uh, all the people. I don't even know half of them. Oh, who's Dre, Dre? I don't know who it is. I'm not even we sure. We are so old and lame. Wow. I have no idea, but she's going to watch it for the halftime show. She could care less about who wins the game. I don't even think she knows who is playing in the Super Bowl. Terrific. All <laughs> right. Good stuff. All right, Joe, last question. Round out the trifecta. If you could have dinner with anyone in the history of the world, who would you want to sit down and have dinner with? Historical figure, anyone. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't mind. Well, I, I, saying Derek Jeter would not be really a good one, but um, yeah, um, it would be. No, I, you know what? I I wouldn't mind sitting down with it. You know what? It's and it just comes down to. And I, I listen. I know it's not historical at all, but I I wouldn't mind sitting down with someone like Joe Torrey, who really had to do how to deal with so much, um, so many different personalities and probably just because of the role that I'm in right now, um, you know, trying to manage people and trying to manage so many different personalities. He did it for a very long time and he did it well and he, he garnered the respect of all of the people in the clubhouse. Um, someone like Joe Torrey would be someone that I would, would certainly uh, would relate to and probably learn an awful lot from. No, going back to the Yanks again, pride of the Yankees. Going back to the Yanks, no doubt. I'm sure other people will come into my mind the minute we, we are done with this conversation. Well, that's the point. We've got to put you on the spot, Joe. Right. So well, good did. stuff. <laughs> Joe, thanks for joining us today. Uh, listen, I know I see you every day, but I really appreciate you taking out of the time, out of the day. Talk to us about uh, really what's most important, and that's the kids and their well-being. And what Joe didn't mention about what we do and primarily what he does is uh, it's not a program, it's not a survey, it's not new personnel. Uh, Joe can be found at any school event in the halls between passing time in the cafeteria, filling the emotional tanks of kids, saying hi, asking how they're doing, seeing how things are going, and that goes a long way to our student wellness. So thanks for setting the standard, Joe, because we're following in your footsteps. And thanks for being here today and for all you do. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. And I appreciate all you do as well. So we've been, you've been together for, like we said, a long time. And um, as I say, always have to surround yourself with great people that make your job easier. And you're certainly one of them. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Joe. That's all the time we have for today on USRA Coalitions. Let's talk about it. And again, purpose of this program is to draw issues out of the shadows and into the light. Do so in the name of prevention and awareness. You got to sit at the table and talk about these things. Because again, remember, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>